Hello, everyone. Since this is either a highlight, a standalone book, or the first episode in a series, I'm jumping in to remind you what the rules are for this podcast. First rule is no real people stories. That means that any details from our own lives are merely anecdotal. We do not read books about real people, and we are not reading historical fiction. The second rule is that we are basing our analyses off of how the author treats characters and what they put them through. We are not judging the accuracy of the trauma, the accuracy of any actual conditions that may be portrayed, nor the authenticity of a character's reaction to that trauma or that particular condition. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come solely from personal experience. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. And I'm Robin, and this episode on Books That Burn, we are discussing War Girls by Tochi Onyubuchi. The description from the publisher. The year is 2172. Climate change and nuclear disasters have rendered much of Earth unlivable. Only the lucky ones have escaped to space colonies in the sky. In a war-torn Nigeria, battles are fought using flying, deadly mechs, and soldiers are outfitted with bionic limbs and artificial organs meant to protect them from the harsh, radiation-heavy climate. Across the nation, as the years-long civil war wages on, survival becomes the only way of life. Two sisters, Onyi and Ifi, dream of more. Their lives have been marked by violence and political unrest. Still, they dream of peace, of hope, of a future together and they're willing to fight an entire war to get there. So for this episode, we are just going to have two topics because one of them in particular is complicated and far-ranging enough that it kind of would absorb most of the other topics we might try to call out specifically. So I'm going to go ahead and give it the time it needs. And also we have two main main characters and then another character that um is given enough of a presence in the book that we thought devoting a little more time to them as though we have really three main characters made a lot of sense absolutely uh because of what we're focusing on this is going to end up probably more than incidentally spoiling a lot of major plot elements like one of the characters we're going to talk about doesn't even show up until halfway through so (laughs) doesn't exist until halfway through yeah doesn't yeah yeah um we'll get to that yeah for sure so yeah uh if you're trying to avoid all spoilers of this book then please skip straight to the (laughs) wrap-up because that's more than normal (laughs) more than normal that's going to be pretty unavoidable this time Okay. 
But so, our first topic is dehumanization. In both literal and the more general way that it gets used. Like, we're, we're, dehumanization as a topic refers to behaving as though people that are human aren't human or aren't people. And in this particular context, like, that ends up being more literal than usual because it's a sci-fi book. And so there's there's room for for a lot of uh, interesting plot nuances for that. I hope that sentence wasn't word salad. I'm now suddenly <laughs> concerned about that. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll find out. So, okay. So our first character. So we have we have a lot of dehumanization in this book. Um, uh-huh. Specifically, we want to focus on... So we have a character who... I'm going to explain this because without explanation, it's kind of going to be harder to have a conversation. <clears throat> Absolutely, yeah. So, <clears throat> sorry. Um, voice cracking on me. So, our character's name is Aigu and Agu, Agu and they Based are Based on the audiobook. Okay. And they are a compilation, partially arti- mostly artificial human pulled from the pieces of other people dead people so their skin their body is a composite of parts uh to the point where our first our main point of view or one of our two main point of view characters first thought that they just had vitiligo and Uh no they're just patchwork (laughs) they're a patchwork person of different people's parts of their skin and hair and i would assume internal organs and um, and I, I may be making this up. I may just be remembering it wrong, but I want to say I read a, a description of one of the characters and I, like, somebody said they had two different eyes, like two different colored eyes. Um, I don't remember. That may just have been the visual that I had in my head, but there was like one particular one of these where I was like, oh, whoa. <laughs> um, I, I tend to notice when forms of heterochromia are mentioned in books just because okay. like, it's a thing that, that may visually just, interests That may me. just be something I, I pictured then. That. Um, but yeah. it, it's vivid enough that that was my mental image. Um, mm-hmm. And these characters are also, they are programmed with presumably artificial memories and then taught to be these almost robotic, deliberate slaves serving one individual other fighter. And, and we're not arbitrarily picking the word slave. Like no, the word that is used in the book to describe these these yeah. particular characters. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they are <laughs> programmed with what they are told, and I'm gonna I'm using it phrasing it that way on purpose. Are artificial memories, fake personalities, um, that are supposed to help them wage war. But um, Agu particularly we really kind of see their journey from I was created this way and I, you know, I do what I'm told and I, I like the things that I like because they made it me that way, 
you know, I was never real. I was only ever a false person. They're treated that way by other people. They have think that way about themselves. They, you know, they tell our, our POV character, Anya, we, they tell her that's who they are. But then kind of slowly over the course of their story, we see them be, be their own person. They like music. They like piano music specifically. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, Anya starts out trying to basically help them get better hand-eye and minute dexterous coordination by playing piano. And they learn for, they play or they mess around with it for like an hour or 10 minutes or whatever. I wasn't exactly sure how long. Yeah. And then on their own, without being told to, unlike every other action until up to this point, we've seen these particular creations take. Um, they just go download a bunch of music overnight. <laughs> like, yep. oh, I like this. I want more of it and I want to know how to do it. And this is right after Ongye was told they can't do that. They're not capable of caring about things or taking actions on their own or having their own interests. And, you know, we almost, as an audience, we almost, almost immediately get that assertion of their inhumanity rebuffed by this. Yeah. Like, so one of the things with dehumanization, particularly um, with war and kids and i abuse victims yeah abuse victims like a lot of characters well they for where my my point in particular is with war and kids the adults around them want it's it the they're specifically making the effort to not see these kids as human because if they saw them as human then it would be harder to use them. And like yeah. that's a lot at the root of dehumanization, but in particular, just focusing on it, it would be harder to use them, which isn't always the motivation for the other kinds of dehumanization that you were starting to rattle off. Um, oh, but that's, for this that's partic- a good point. Yeah, so, so it's like, yes, but I don't want quite as broad a brush for that. Um, because in this case, they they... They remember, and they, in this case, being the war girls, like people who themselves were child soldiers, and they seem to be like, well, you know, we don't want a new generation of child soldiers necessarily, which is why we have these definitely robot people who are nah, not people. We have these definitely uh, robots. They have skin. Yeah. Please don't worry about it. Um, This isn't a new generation of child soldiers. This isn't exactly what was done to us. Or at least it's not worse than what was done to us. And so we slightly have a moral high ground. And Um, and we've also programmed them to like war. So it's definitely fine and not a problem at all. And there's going to be no ramifications for making a bunch of robots who like war. Even if that's literally what they'd succeeded in doing. And it's not. Even if that's what they had succeeded in doing. That's, like, not great. Um, That ends up causing problems when, like... Later on in the book, some of the synths, like, keep doing war stuff, even when it's yeah. not supposed to be a war. Like, to me, especially with you phrasing it that way, I'm like, oh, that uh, seems to be a very particular knock-on effect of the way that the now-adult war girls try to get around. Same. Yeah. 
yeah, it just makes the problem happen again. Right. Um, and also there's a little bit of a distancing where like, oh, you know, they, they've they mostly been an all-female group. And so right. a, I they've think it would be hard. They've made these boys to separate themselves. Right. Yeah. Just having just the superficial, the flimsiest excuse of, oh, no, it's not the same thing that happened to us. When, like, it's it's not substantially different, and then they end up having to grapple with that. Right. Well, um, at least Anya does. No one else up, really gets they end up, long enough. Yeah. Uh, I do want to. I do want to note though, like, they are talked about like they are androids, but they're basically right. just artificial people. Yes. Um. They've they've deliberately gone because they have they have androids they have, you know, like computer programmed creations. Also in this book, these are not androids that look like people. They are composite artificial people. Yeah, and even the androids who look like people are still like, treated with more humanity. <laughs> well, what I was gonna say is they uh, get out of there and do their own thing. Oh, that like, yeah, that too. Yeah, <laughs> they. They don't want to be around this either. They have enough <laughs> to not want to be around all of this just yeah. war and dehumanization and just really, really awful stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, this, the, the, as far as like how this. So we, there are a lot of examples of dehumanization going on in this book. We want to kind mm-hmm. of note that we have chosen this one character to kind of emphasize because they're a very kind of clear consistent and the longest explanation of this we get in the book everything else is kind of context Um, yeah like there's um there's a lot of of levels of this there's everything from propaganda on both sides of the war saying that the other side are like literally monsters and when uh, both sides have a lot of child soldiers, when they tell that their child soldiers that the other sides are literally inhuman monsters, they are children and they believe them. Um, like yeah. there, there's a lot of stuff with. Or that. if they don't, it, they don't have the ability to really do anything about it. Oh, sh- for sure. Yeah. Yes. Um, um, we also have the augments versus the red bloods. Mm-hmm. If you are artificially augmented or in any way versus not yep um which incidentally doesn't seem to mean that the augmentation doesn't seem to include temporary augmentation we have a couple examples of characters who like insert insert artificial like brain augmentation but if you can take it out again it doesn't count yeah, like it. It seems like it has some overlaps with like ableism. I I just uh, as, yeah. as a as a very like minor parallel. The way that um, even though needing glasses is a disability, a lot of people where the only thing that they have going on where they need an augmentation is that they need glasses. Often right. don't categorize. Yeah, yeah, it's very similar don't to that. Stuff. Yeah, often don't self-categorize as disabled, even though, like, you you can. That'd be true. Um, Without my glasses, I wouldn't be able to function in a lot of ways. Like, 
yeah, I to me it has some of that same feel of like, oh no no, yeah. I don't worry, I I am human. Oh, this um this thing that I'm not going to keep that I only have temporarily because I want it to, mm-hmm. that's not me being a synth or an augment. Your <laughs> thing that you can't take out without very bad things happening, that's you being right. a synth. It, it, would, it would be like arguing that if someone needs a wheelchair, they're not disabled, but if they need an artificial limb, they are. It's just, it's... Yeah. Yeah, it's these really weird, just weird like lines. a weird... And And to be clear, not all augmentation is from... A something that would become a disability or is a disability, you know, but with just, or without it. But like it, it's it's a really it's kind of a weird fine line where it's just a it's just another way to divide up groups, even mm-hmm. when it's internal. Um, yeah, which is kind of a it's it. There's more layers to it with that one particularly because a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of the actual fighters in this society are augmentated in some way either because there are that way to make them a better fighter or because they have gotten injured yeah and it's also to me it it seems like one of the things where if you're motivating a group of people on the basis of an us versus them you might as well just add more to it yeah well no what i was gonna say is that when you lose the them, you have to make a new them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> you yeah, have to, yeah. you, you just, you might as well add more layers to make your ideology just more internally repetitive. Yeah, it, it, there, there's, there are specific motivators and drives that result in just a more and more constrained circle of who is us where everyone else is them. Yeah. Um, and just fewer and fewer people end up fitting in that middle, in that center oh, space. We would be remiss if we don't also just very briefly mention the colorism that also yep. is another us versus them. Um, For sure. So there, the Biafrans and the Nigerians who are all from Nigeria. They're, they've just separated mm-hmm. into the real Nigerians and the Biafrans. Um, well, have a have a apparently either it's mostly consistent or it is presumptive (laughs) consistency Mm -hmm. of skin tone so um the biafrans are much darker than the quote-unquote true nigerians in this context yeah so if um, yiffy having lighter skin makes her a target even though she's part of the community at the beginning of the book yeah, and, and even saying, well, they're all Nigerians, part of why everyone not not everyone feels that way. It's a bunch yeah. of colonialism. Like, there's a lot yeah. of things <laughs> that make this much more complicated, but superficially, absolutely. Well, but that's the that's the superficial assumption made by characters. Sure. No, 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 absolutely. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying that, like, the... Yeah, the, the colorism, the assumption, like, when they see Ify... They're like, oh, this is a Nigerian child who was kidnapped by the Biafrans. We need to get her back. Um, It doesn't seem to be an option for them to consider that maybe she's actually Biafran. Maybe, you know, it was enough generations back that she's just lighter than those around her, but considers herself Biafran. And like, in a way, she does for reasons we'll get to in our later topic yeah, it's complicated um, for her absolutely it's super complicated for her but yeah like yes as another layer of dehumanization there is an entire facet of it 
explicitly driven by colorism for sure um i just and you know as we're listing them i just want to make sure we don't forget that one because i think those are most of the most of the big ones we have the colorism there's ethical minor or ethical jesus ethnic minorities um there's the you know the artificial people versus quote-unquote real people there's the you know the sense sense for augments yeah some red blood they red literally bloods? call them red red bloods i was like that can't be the term nope that's the term that is the term <laughs> yeah <laughs> no because the there's the if you bleed do you bleed oil or blood which oh is that's that's the that's what they say um sure which, which is wild to me because we have on screen so to speak augmented characters who break artificial limbs and then they're not bleeding oil <laughs> it's still just blood right. like it's such a it's such a like a cognitive leap to justify the weirdness of it if that makes sense it's yeah for sure yeah i actually had to read that paragraph twice because i was like wait no hold on that's not internally consistent logic oh well, got it that's the point it it took right. me a second to the point is it's it. not internally right. consistent it is driven by these justifications yeah <laughs> um, um. But yeah, so our back to our actual POV character. Mm-hmm. Um, this this character, with regards to how they are treated, as far as from a an audience or a reader perspective, we see we set up this. This is something I actually think this book does really incredibly well. Um, we we get a lot of these dehumanizations, including this one artificial human character who are set up so that we see the the treatment of them by other characters in universe and then immediately from our perspective as an audience it is refuted mm-hmm. in uh, within a page or two um this particular character we we get told like three or four times in rapid succession they have no desires wants likes needs of their own they will never care that's not what they're made for. And then this character, a page later, turns around and says, no, I like piano music. And I'm going to hide it from you or not show it to you because I'm not supposed to care. Yep. And like, bef- before we move on to our later topic, I mm-hmm. I really, really like this kind of story. Um, mm-hmm. So much so that this isn't the first piece of media that I've read or that I've experience the other one was an anime um involving child soldier who keeps firing their gun literally in the rain like (laughs) this is at least what what was the other what was the anime (laughs) gunslinger girl oh okay yeah no that that exact same thing like there's a lot of little details about (laughs) agu and the other abs where in Gunslinger Girl, that's the entire plot. Um, and in this, it is part of this much bigger thing. Um, so if you like this being explored here, that might be an anime that you like, depending on what mm. bits of it draw you to this book. Um, but Gunslinger Girl is one that I particularly like. because, right. And that's... Um, definitely shaped a lot of the way that I approach this book in terms of already having a framework for <sighs> the adults tried to make kid robots again and then discovered <laughs> that that doesn't solve the problems they thought it would solve. 
Oh no. Um, yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. So we we see this character. They start out kind of hiding this this actual thing that they like and that they want to they want to keep doing, but then mm-hmm. our 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 POV character here notices, and so as an audience, we notice, and this. Our, our POV character doesn't ever really treat this this person as less than them. <laughs> Which at one point causes them to just almost break down sobbing because it's just her. She's the only one treating them well in any way, shape, or form. And they do care. They are a person. Um, and they're, they're discovering how to be that. And then even like jumping ahead farther in the story... We then get like pretty solid evidence of not only this character kind of becoming, deciding to be themselves, to be, to have a self, to, you know, to figure out what that even means and what it is for them. But also, we we find out about other of these characters, other of these quote unquote artificial humans who have banded together and are trying to make their own tiny little society in the woods because they can understand each other and they have wants and goals and you know everything else that makes humanity humanity and they can't have it if they go off and be part of the quote-unquote real humans they have to kind of do it alone welcome to our second and in this case final topic were you about to say wrap up and ratings i was it's super right definitely not going to accidentally <laughs> do that for sure. I could tell. <laughs> it was, the, it was um, the same. It was the same inflection and pacing. Yeah, and I yep. heard it stutter at the end as you're like, uh, no. "Not the wrap up. It's not, not the wrap up. up. Not time nope. yet." Um, no, no this more. is Circle of Violence Generational Trauma Edition. <laughs> So it's been a while since we had Circle of Violence as one of our things. Um, Like, I know we did it for Long Way Down. I think Mm. we did it for um, uh, one of the books in the Inheritance trilogy. I might be mistaken about that. I I think that sounds right. Yeah, I think that's right. I don't know if we've done another one, but this is done at least three, I think. I don't know what the third one was. Whoops. Um, but this is Circle of Violence Generational Trauma Edition, uh, focusing on Onyi and Ify. Um, because, and like we touched on this a little bit uh, in the first topic, like this is a book about child soldiers. And in the case of Onyi and Ify, child soldiers who then grow up and have different relationships with that past and then with violence continuing into the future. And then there's also a thing where Onyi was a child soldier and then ended up Mm -hmm. adopting Ify as her sister, who was an even smaller child, but like also a child. And so by the time- But not a soldier yet, deliberately, intentionally- Yeah, yes. And so by the time um, the events of the book begin, Onyi is like an older teenager, but like not an adult yet, but like on the verge of um, adulthood. We get a like 
14, 15. No, I think she's, yeah, it's one of the two. Um, because that, that was a, a point at the beginning because she was one of the oldest. Yeah, like my... Um, in the camp where they start, to be clear. Yeah, to, to me, the, um, the important bit with that is that even with these two characters who are technically both children, mm-hmm. there is a generational difference. Um, yes. They're and not the same. responsibility difference in them. Yes. Yeah, yeah. and um, Oni is kind of a surrogate parent, but explicitly talked about as a sibling, um, as her sister, and that gets... Very, very complicated when we find out. I mean, it was complicated. We learned that it has been complicated the whole time when we find out why Oni was in a position to be taking care of Ify in the first place. I didn't know if you wanted to summarize that or if you wanted to try to avoid spoiling that Um, if you can. Oh, man, that's hard. So I think it depends on how much of this we're going to talk about. Okay, no, we should talk about I, I think we can do it without as much spoilers. We talk so, okay. So here's the, the the crux of the reason that is I'm actually the one who suggested this topic. Here's why. Ongi, Ongi is um, trying so hard <laughs> at the beginning of this book, putting everything she has into this, having the younger children at the camp, and Ife is not the only one. Um to grow up without being soldiers to just have a quote unquote normal life and have a happy childhood and 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 get out of this without that experience and without having to even care about it um she's even torn in like the first two pages there's this inner struggle between oh wow the younger kids are really bad at standing watch but that's <laughs> a good thing because they've never had people next to them die because of it <laughs> you know right she has this she has this internal struggle of like I I I need to not I I want I'm mad at I'm mad that this is happening but also it's kind of a good thing and I don't really want to I want them to be better but I don't want them to need it and like <laughs> um just this kind of tense little inner, inner internal moment where she's like ah okay fine, you know um and <laughs> so but also at the same time we get some pretty pretty heavy-handed uh hints that she's kind of a little bit abusive to iffy physically Mm -hmm. abusive and yelling emotionally abusive and you know she only hits her sometimes she hits her sometimes but you know that one time she only yelled for an hour and it was better you know we we get a lot of that happening and you kind of get the 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 implication later that a lot of that happens because that's how Anya was treated as a child, as a kid who was being trained to be a soldier. She was thrown around and hit and yelled at, and um, and so so there's this this conflict here where even though we have this older teenage character trying her hardest to have a a camp a setup where the younger kids don't have to care about all of that survival stuff, at the same time she doesn't really know any other way to treat little children especially one that she's in charge of. Yeah, because for from, I think, her perspective, but I'm not making Efi shoot anyone is yeah. actually like <laughs> a massive de-escalation from yes. how severe and traumatic her childhood was. Yeah, absolutely. But her childhood was so bad 
that even the level that she passes on to Efi, because she literally doesn't know a different mm-hmm. way to be yeah. around children. Yeah. Um, even the level that she passes on to Efi still is dramatic to Efi because, like, it is child mm-hmm. abuse. It is mm-hmm. emotional abuse. And we have an awareness that there's probably some physical abuse, but it, like, the book doesn't spend a lot of time dwelling right. on that. It just presents their current dynamic, which clearly has been shaped by these things in the past. Otherwise, Ify and Oni wouldn't have certain concerns right? if this hadn't been a thing, which I really appreciated as a way to handle this because it's already a book about war and child soldiers. <laughs> you don't need a really long scene of and Oni hits her sometimes. Like yeah, you we, don't, we don't need a, we don't need, you don't need that. We don't need their child soldiers. And also here's a 15 year old beating up a nine year old. Like we don't actually need that. And the book doesn't give it doesn't to give us. That. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the, this is one of those things where this is why we like cycle of violence as being a, cycle of violence such and such edition because um circles cycles of violence or circle of violence are it i think it was cycle of violence i will fix it okay i don't remember yeah yeah i think Um, it's cycle of violence okay (laughs) whatever we did in the past time uh one of the reasons we really like this is because it's it could the feeling and how it happens and the different ways it perpetuates changes depending on what that cycle actually is and the the harm being done that is perpetuated but a, a lot of ways um and you know we want to speak more to fiction than real life but as far as i understand even in real life a lot of ways that cycles of violence are perpetuated are because the perpetrators who were hurt themselves and then go on to hurt someone else don't really understand or aren't aware of or don't have don't know how to implement a different way and and this is book is a really good example of this because Anya doesn't want to hurt her she cares about her. This is her tiny adopted child sibling, the, the only person in the world that she really, well, one of three people in the world that she really cares about. And this is the one that she would sacrifice everything else for. And she still is not treating her very well because she doesn't know how else to do this. And also, there's like a because like they're they're literally they're refugees in the middle of a war they're refugees yeah. where the 14 or 15 year old is one of the oldest kids in the camp yeah so like it, it um it means there's no one older demonstrating anything else sure and also i mean she she doesn't want them to have to grow up with violence or in a war zone but that doesn't change the fact that they are in a war zone and so she ends up torn between like feeling like she should yell at them for falling asleep on watch because like it didn't matter tonight right it could could matter tomorrow and then spoiler alert like it not like literally falling asleep on watch but like something happens and like they get separated and like it did matter she was right to be worried and i like there is nothing i could point to as what she should have done instead um because yeah other than like it it would be better if things hadn't been so that the things that she thought were viable solutions 
well, worked well, like, I, mean, I don't know, just her, her, her scale for how to be around, for how to, like, try and parent Efi, mm-hmm. like, how to be her sister and that whole dynamic, like, she just literally doesn't have access to different ways of doing it. Mm-hmm. And also, those different gentler ways maybe don't make sense in this situation. Like, I'm not saying, well, like, like I, I don't know. There, I, I don't know that we can say that. I, I, I do want to say that, granted, Sorry, this is the, only my own, this is only my own personal experience, and we don't want to yeah. get too far into the the real world implications, but there are better, easier ways to get a small child in a se- severe ongoing situation to follow you and listen to you. Um, oh, no, there absolutely. There are gentler parenting methods that inspire trust, and so they obey you instead of what Ify does, which is hiding and pretending and sneaking instead. Um, but Sorry, also, more, more what I'm thinking is that a lot of those kinder, gentler methods assume you have time. That's, that is actually what I was just about to say. Okay, cool, that yeah. Anya has the time to do this, but also in her... We could have easily done this exact same dynamic as just PTSD. We talked about it slightly. Yeah. Um, then we discarded that and picked something else. But we, we could have done that because what is really happening here is that Anya doesn't feel like there is time because an emergency is always now. Or if mm-hmm. it's not, it could be any minute. And so there isn't a there isn't time to do anything else. And there isn't a better way that she knows how to do. And so she just yells and screams and probably hits and doesn't yeah. like doesn't let herself even you know get to the point of what well, you know how else could i how else could i treat this child in my care it just doesn't even get there because she she can't she's stuck yeah because like reading the book we have all the time in the world to think of different things that it would have been better <laughs> for this character to do but this character isn't in a position even if she knew about these other methods, the rebuttal could be, right, but I don't have time to talk her into whatever right. because we could get killed. And whether or not she's right, right, she's not able to consider it for whatever reasons in the story. And like, it's, I think it's really well put together mm-hmm. where the book does not try to excuse that she did this. It presents it as having been traumatic for Efi, as causing problems in their relationship that then cause even bigger problems later in the book. Like, Efi doesn't trust her with certain things and feels like she can't go to her about something that turns out to be super important. Like, it, it causes problems. The book isn't like, nah, it's fine that she hit her because she didn't have another choice. Like, the book doesn't really say that she had a different choice. No. But it says this wasn't fine and caused a lot of problems for everyone that there wasn't this space and this opportunity to do a different thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then um, we actually see later with a character that was in our first topic that um <laughs> on when she's not in the middle of a crisis forever she has other tools mm-hmm. um but the the trick is that you know this other character doesn't start out as a a thing that she's trying to 
protect and care for. And also, I want to point out um, that uh, the the other character, Agu, is created, assembled for war. Already comes knowing how to handle themselves around weapons, how to aim and target and fire and watch her back. And there's a level of, of trust there that... Um, is just a very different dynamic where, you know, if you if you trust that somebody is going to not just do something that will get you and your friends killed, you don't have to cling quite as tightly to trying to keep them under your control. Right. She didn't have to try and condition At Ab least in her head, she doesn't have to try condition, and condition. Sorry, condition Aku to handle himself right. in a fight, whereas with Ify she's torn between conditioning her or not. And she ends up on this middle road. That's like the worst yeah. of both worlds. Yeah. Because there, there was absolutely a, a version of reality here where it's, you know, this, the, the, the assembled human doesn't know anything and you have to teach them gun control. And then we probably, I would, my head cannon is we would probably have seen a lot of the behavior that she had with Ify with this other child. I'd say gun control isn't the quite word. You mean literal handing, handling of firearms? Yes, that I is think, the word. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, literal actual handling of firearms, dangerous situations, battle reflexes in general. Yep. You know, if if she had to teach this other character these things on screen, I think we would have seen a lot more anger and yelling and, and panic attacks if it doesn't go well and, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. But, in, but instead, she can kind of treat this character as more of a contemporary that's just following her lead instead of her trying to hand them the reflexes to keep themselves safe. <laughs> yeah. And also, I want to point out that, like, a lot of the way that she treats Zephy is as, as though, like, as almost a commanding officer, like, I tell you that you're not allowed to do this thing because I'm making the decision that keeps us safe. But if you're the commanding officer in charge of, you know, 10, 20, 50 people in a reflex dangerous situation. You don't have time. Even uh -huh. if explaining it to them made sense, you have to know that you're going to say, go here, do this, and they'll do it without needing an explanation. Because if you stop and wait and explain it to them, you might miss the moment or just, you know, die on the spot, depending. And also, <laughs> and she treats wasn't Yuffie the like that. Yeah, and Evie wasn't the only kid in the camp, and no. so she can't explain to literally every seven-year-old well, to the degree that they needed explained well, but in order to understand. I, I'm, not even, I'm not even thinking yeah. that that would have even been a consideration. I just think that it doesn't occur to yeah. her to really explain it beyond do what I say. Because, because of that background. Because, yeah, because of that background and that training where she's used to just you obey that person or you're the person being obeyed and there's no real middle ground. And, you know, we, we know from later context that Ify would have, if she had had everything explained to her, she would have been probably the best, safest person there <laughs> because she is that smart and that aware of her surroundings and has the ability to pick apart and put back together situations that, yeah. you know, she would have been an incredible asset. But there's also a degree to which her, there. her five years older self is like that and is that incredible asset. Yeah, absolutely. But she might not developmentally have been able to be that at the well, time that no. she was with only like there's probably That's like a, definitely a bit of that. 
Yeah, for but sure. saying but saying, hey, the I reason I want point. you to not use this this type of thing is because if you can hack our systems, you open us up to being attacked by external people because they can tell you're there. Like even saying that much to her would have, I think, probably mitigated the like inciting incident at the beginning of the book. Because yeah. like she's completely able to comprehend and extrapolate scenarios from that. But we see time and time again that, you know, just people not telling her, hey, you're discoverable. Once she knows, she can fix it. Right. But if she doesn't know, then she just continues trying to sneak around and do stuff. She can't fix it and doesn't understand why she should stop other yep. than my caregiver doesn't want me to do that. Which like <laughs> Which just means that I have to be smarter and sneakier than they are, and it doesn't right. mean oh I have to consider why. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like don't get caught cheating. And the two ways to do right. that are to not cheat or to get so good that you don't get caught. And she decided to get so good that hopefully she doesn't get caught. Right. But she's not that good yet and then things happen can you believe we've been friends for seven years and it all started because i compared you to alana the lioness tamara pierce really set the tone of our friendship a love of magic briar moss fantasy briar moss powerful women, and of course, Briar Moss. I'm Anna. And I'm MJ. And we invite you to join our circle of friendship, where we do a chapter-by-chapter deep dive into the Circle of Magic series by Tamara Pierce. We answer important questions like, how does Moonstream let certain dedicates take care of children? Can you imagine anyone else but Mandy Patinkin playing Nico? Knives, Briar. And Knives? Join us every other Monday at cofpodcast.libsyn.com or wherever you download podcasts. But seriously, Knives... On to the wrap-up and ratings for War Girls. Uh, For our gratuity rating, we had just two topics this time, um, because we wanted to have a little bit more of a deep dive on two bigger things rather than three slightly smaller things. And so for our first topic, dehumanization... So is this moderate, severe, or torture porn? I'm not even going to pretend that maybe it's mild. Uh, I don't think. Unless you have, like, uh, a really good argument. I, Are you I about think to argue for mild? No, I'm, <laughs> okay, I'm okay. processing. I, I, I think it's severe. I think mm-hmm. that if we didn't get the immediate reversal on and perspective for our, the audience, then it would be torture porn, but I think it's just severe. Yeah, sure. Um, the generational trauma, I, I really think it's either moderate or severe. I think it's severe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Definitely. I also think that if we only had one character's perspective instead of both, it would also be torture porn because we'd be supposed to agree with them. Right, but this makes it um, more complicated. More, e- It's easier to know how complicated it is, rather, right. is what I would say. Um, then integral, interchangeable, or irrelevant. Could we have taken either of these out and had no. n- remotely the, the same, same book? No. 
Yeah, no. And, and I'm going to argue we could probably have taken the particular character that we focused on for dehumanization now and just made it like interchangeable. But there's so much, so much of the context of the book is the dehumanization in various groups. That's integral. Yeah. Like we picked one to focus on, but you couldn't remove it as a trauma from the book, even if you did excise entirely the very particular character we chose. Um. Yeah, integral for both. Then was it treated with care? Whoa, hold on. Nope. Well, no. We need to They're do interchangeable both- or relevant for the other drama. Sorry, I said I, I I rattled them both off. I was like, oh, I, okay. No, but that's not normally how we do that. My apologies. <laughs> we, we should specify generational yeah. trauma is also integral. Also integral. Yes. Okay. Now apologies for my imprecise speech. Yes. Um, they're and also both deviation integral. from our norm. <laughs> Whoa, Rob. <laughs> so sorry. I know. I know. I breaking the I, mold. <laughs> I deviated from a pattern. I will never do that again. You, ever you broke the structure. <laughs> um, was the trauma treated with care for the dehumanization? I think it's. I think enough. Yeah, we're generally aware of the shape of various dehumanizing sentiments, but. There's not, for example, rants about it that right. I can recall. There's not. Um, it, it's contextualized memory recall most of the time or comments yeah. about it and not. And and even when we, again, as we've said before, even when something is happening on screen that is more severe, we immediately get kind of an, a, a perspective that we're supposed to get as an audience that is, you know, refuting it as a acceptable behavior yeah the the one thing that i will just note where um in terms of the care rating i i do think it is treated with care um it is a it is a sci-fi story patterned off a particular actual war and so it is possible that there are things particular to the real biafran nigerian um civil war that we don't have the context to realize um right so i would with with that caveat as best as we are able to tell approaching it purely as well, the fictional sci-fi book yeah i was gonna say I, I i do think that there yeah. are is enough sci-fi and just altered reality things that i, yeah. I don't it's not a straight up representation no, it, it's not trying to literally retell that war. Um, no, no. And and even just things like, you know, the earth has been covered in nuclear waste and no one can breathe and that affects how you move through the land. Like, there, there's enough of contextual, large, broad changes that it's not sure. just, it's not just the same thing again. No, 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 absolutely. I'm just saying that there might be things that make the, how much it's treated with care, like, trickier for someone to whom that actual historical event is um, personal history, for example, that that would drastically change how that feels. And I just want to flag that as a possibility, Mm -hmm. but then returning to this fictional book, I I do think it is treated with care. Well, with Um, enough, not just straight up enough. Sorry, enough care. Yeah. Uh, Um, but also, if that's a thing, the book is super duper clear about that being 
the context for it and well, so yeah, even like that's, in that, yeah, yeah that that's why I'm, that's why i think it's just enough because you don't you're not blindsided by this book this you book is never advocating it. for any of these things to be okay it yeah. you it tells you that this is a an altered sci-fi yeah. reference to this actual conflict like yeah you know that's why i'm saying it's enough and i don't think that would change for different people because it, it might be enough and then you know, it's not enough for you personally, but broadly yeah. speaking, this book is completely upfront about the author's viewpoint on the things it's telling. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Then for the generational trauma, whether that's treated with care. I actually think this is maybe not enough. Yeah, it doesn't pull punches like it. The dehumanization is context. The generational trauma is the mm-hmm. plot, I think, is the way I might <laughs> split well, those. I, I think that a lot of the same type of care is taken for the generational trauma, but that the the one difference here is that we get we get the, the character that it is being happening to in the moment saying, this was not okay happening to me. And we get the character who was doing the the mistreatment, but also was treated that way in the past, saying what was done to me is not okay. But we don't really get, we don't, we don't really get the character who is perpetuating the trauma at any point saying, I, th- what I did was not okay. Which we get direct refutations for the other types of trauma, including the dehumanization. We get other characters on screen saying, hey, in the moment right now, I'm being invited to participate and I don't want to because it's not all right. We don't mm-hmm. we don't get that for the for this other topic. Right. And part of that may just be that we have two main characters and one of them is treating the other a certain way and I mean and we we get from the one character saying again what's happening to me is not all right but you know I think for this to be enough I think the character perpetuating would have to realize. Yeah. Because even in the crisis moment, it doesn't seem like right. she begins to think of that in this. Right, right. And for the dehumanization, way. like I said, we have we have characters invited to participate that push back. We yeah. don't we don't get that with this. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm I'm definitely good with not enough for the generational trauma. All right, how clear is the moral directionality? Very clear. Uh, yeah, it's super clear. And all Which, of it sucks. <laughs> uh, well, I was gonna. I just want to. I do want to. Yeah, I want to note on that. So a lot of times when we have different parties that think that they are right, we end up with tangled. The reason it's not tangled, in my, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is because we kind of get the push from the narrative from our author saying, "Hey, none of this was okay." <laughs> So right. it doesn't matter that our characters are opposing each other. It doesn't matter that they all think they're right because we, the audience, get context that says, no, they're all incorrect. None of it's all right. The situation is not okay. You know, they're doing the best they can when they're retaliating, but they shouldn't have been there in the first place. And, you know, we, we get a lot of yeah. that. And every time you find out another layer, it's just another iteration of... <laughs> bad. of so this this group also interfered and did a thing that they probably shouldn't do. Right. And it sucks. Just at every level. 
for right. sure. Right. All right. The point of view for the trauma and aftermath. Um, we have two narrators. We have Onyin Ifi. So for the sections that are relating to Agu, like we don't get his perspective directly. We just get him talking to one of them. But then for the two girls, we have their well, each of their perspectives. Um, uh, I, on I, yeah, things. I actually want to point something out. Sure. For the dehumanization for Agu specifically. Um, we get Anyi for the trauma and Ifi for the aftermath. That's actually very mm-hmm. specific. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not mixed up there. It's He's talking to one person here and then a different person later. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Then for our trope spotter, uh, I picked gray and gray morality. Um, where as contrasted with black and white morality or blue orange morality, <laughs> um, this refers to both of the groups are doing murky stuff. It there no one's wholly right, no one's wholly wrong. Everybody's got a bunch of specific problems in how they're trying to go about things. Um no group is held up as like generally doing it better than the other. Right. Or or and then and this happens in different ways. This this book does this I just want to point this out. Mm-hmm. This book does a thing where instead of it being oppressor harms, creates an oppressed group, oppressed group retaliates, they're both wrong. That This book doesn't do that. This book says mm-hmm. the, the oppressor is oppressing this other group. The other group is doing something else that is theoretically retaliation, but they're just hurting somebody else as, a, as like an excuse, basically. Yeah. Um, so th- it's not don't fight back if someone is hurting you. This book is very different. It's not saying that. I'm only mentioning that because um, for some people reading books that saying, you know, pushing back when someone is harming you is problem is traumatic. So I just, I just want to <laughs> sure. footnote the gray and gray morta- morality. All right. What was your favorite non-traumatic thing about this book? Was there a non-traumatic thing in this book? <laughs> Um, uh, I, I, I think maybe, um, okay. I, I do, I do have, I think I have one. I do at least have a favorite, I think non-traumatic favorite moment. Thing. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Ify prompting Agu to not leave his piano board behind was Mm, mm -hmm. this like really nice moment um especially on the long arc of trying to undo the dehumanization that had happened to him previously um it's a nice counterpoint to some of the things that had happened earlier did you have a non-traumatic thing that you liked um I really like the cybernetic limbs. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just and and not even this is mean that it's trauma because we don't get a portrayal of a character who has one just to have one because they are born that way or it's always right. because of war. But 
Um, I like the, I like that that's just kind of assumed. Like, granted, assumed so you can fight. But, um, you, do you need something to function? Okay, we'll get it for you. You, you want an arm? You got lost one? Okay, we'll get one for you. Um, you have trouble hearing? Okay, we'll just, we'll either rebuild you an ear or we'll get you a cybermedic replacement or whatever it is you want. It's, yeah. It doesn't really portray it as like, you have to be this way. It's like, okay, what do you want? <laughs> what, do you, what do you want to make your life better? End of yeah. story. And then depending on what you pick, you might end up getting no longer classed as red blood, which can, you know, that's the thing we ended up that, talking yeah, about. Yeah, that, that becomes then a demunization. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the thing but... that I like is the, ah, oh, you want, you need an arm? Okay. <laughs> Here's an arm. Here you go. <laughs> need yep. a leg? All right. You want you want just to roll like you need just having an issue with your eye? Okay, let's just get you that. Need your ear rebuilt? All right, <laughs> it's just very very blasé about. Okay, here you go. Yeah, doesn't hold up the plot. No, for sure. not at all. Yeah. All right, I think that's going to do it for War Girls by Tochi Onibuchi. Jesus, I'm looking is- at our list of content. Or trigger warnings <laughs> for the book. This is the long. I think this might be the longest list we've had yet in a book. It could be the longest one in a book that's made it onto the podcast. It's definitely you, oh no, not, not the, the longest not one that you've that read I've had... and reviewed, but that we have yeah, <laughs> yeah. talked about together. We have basically a paragraph of trigger warnings. Trigger warnings specifically, not even just content warning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just um, a lot. It it is a lot got a bunch um for sure yeah uh i even like because this was one that i had first read um back in 2020 when i was still settling into how to do reviews and different things and so on this reread i added a bunch of stuff that i had missed the first time and (laughs) updated the review um because just I didn't have quite as many things on my radar as things right. to note. So that's also part of what you're noticing maybe is like we're gradually getting oh, to books be. where I was better at noticing that different things needed to be flagged, potentially. So that also could be it. I did actually in my written reviews switch to slightly just how I formatted them to mm, make it be okay. less of a block of text. So. <laughs> We've had some of those. But anyway, uh, yeah, so that's that's it for War Girls. And thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you on our next episode. Hello, everyone. Since this is either a highlight, a standalone book, or the first episode in a series, I'm jumping in to remind you what the rules are for this podcast. First rule is no real people stories. That means that any details from our own lives are merely anecdotal, we do not read books about real people, and we are not reading historical fiction. The second rule is that we are basing our analyses off of how the author treats characters and what they put them through. We are not judging the accuracy of the trauma, the accuracy of any actual conditions that may be portrayed, nor the authenticity of a character's reaction to that trauma or that particular condition. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come solely from personal experience. 
In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. Spoilers. 